Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's look at part two of pancreatic uh, tumors. I thought I'd start with this slide, which says that CT is very good, high sensitivity, high specificity, and this was at the uh, 4 to 16 slice error, which of course were better, for looking at small pancreatic lesions being defined as under 2 centimeters. If you remember in the past, in the single slice error or in the pre-spiral error, typically a carcinoma was 3 to 4 centimeters. Now we're much better. We're so much better that there are many studies now that are using CT as a screening modality for pancreatic cancer. And so that's something that we probably will talk about a bit later or in another lecture. And in this article, uh, it does talk about, this article by Ganji, the importance of... Uh, using CT. CT can detect a significant proportion of asymptomatic incidental pancreatic lesions uh, before the diagnosis clinically of pancreatic cancer and that CT should be considered for use in the patient at risk. And that's something we are doing now. We do pick up a lot of cystic lesions. We find about 3% of patients having cystic pancreatic lesions, typically IPMNs, but it's something, again, we need to remember. Now, I also have certain rules about pancreatic masses. I don't want you to walk away with thinking that when we say a pancreatic mass is seen, it's always pancreatic carcinoma. And obviously we all know there are many types of pancreatic lesions from adenoCA to islet cell tumors, which are typically vascular early. There's cystic pancreatic neoplasms. We'll speak about those. But here's one that looks closer to carcinoma than the others, and that's pancreatic lymphoma. The classic history of pancreatic lymphoma is you see a mass in the pancreas, you often don't see additional extra pancreatic disease. You may, you may see lots of extra pancreatic nodal disease, but you don't have to. And then what happens is you look at this mass and say, yep, there's a mass in the head of the pancreas, but what's a little bit goofy is how come the mass is not obstructing the common duct and is not obstructing the pancreatic duct? Is the perfect location for common duct and pancreatic duct obstruction? What is going on? Well, what we have found is if you see a mass that's definitely in the pancreas and it's not obstructing the ductal structures, you better think about lymphoma. Now, there are other things, masses in the pancreatic or peripancreatic region. If you see a mass and it's not obstructing either duct, then, I, of course, I thought about lymphoma, but sometimes islet cell tumors, very classically, that's the case. But also cystic pancreatic neoplasm, cystadenomas, even the largest lesions, almost never obstruct the duct. You can be fooled by things near the pancreas simulating pancreatic masses. I've seen large, bulky nodes in the region from colon cancer, for example, from other tumors, including lymphoma. And sometimes primary duodenal processes. I've seen patients with duodenal diverticulums, uh, simulating a pancreatic mass, even a necrotic mass or even an abscess, as well as gist tumors. So large peripancreatic lesions, especially arising from the duodenum, can cause very similar issues. Now, I mentioned also, when we talk about adenocarcinoma of the pancreas, we do detect things better in the venous phase. I mentioned the typically hypodense. But I also said that one of the reasons for the arterial phase is because of vascular pancreatic lesions. And here's a wonderful example. This is a classic insulinoma. Insulinomas are typically a centimeter in size or so. CT used to be 30% accurate. Now we're roughly 90 plus percent accurate. You can see these lesions often hang off the gland. They're often small. They're often multiple. Here's another example of a lesion in the body and a second lesion in the patient's uh, pancreatic tail. So you can see that very nicely in this example. Now, 
it's important to recognize sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes islet cell tumors can be confused with um, tail of pancreas versus splenic lesions. And I say that there have been a number of case reports of patients who have felt to have pancreatic lesions and they were operated on and it was simply intrapancreatic or peripancreatic splenic tissue that can occur. We also should note that we're learning with the newest studies that sometimes uh, you can assume something is a accessory spleen, looks identical, but it's just barely hanging off the pancreatic gland. So you want to uh, be careful in these cases. And there's been a number of different articles in the literature the last couple years showing the importance of this potential difficult differential diagnosis. And it's something that you need to really look at very carefully. And here's a good example of a lesion that maybe could be confused with an extra pancreatic lesion as it seems to just barely hang off the gland. But in 3D, indeed, it's very, very easy to make the diagnosis. If you're uncertain, nuclear medicine studies can be done. Now, interestingly, I mentioned before that islet cell tumors typically do not cause ductal obstruction. Here's a nice example of a lesion in the lower pancreatic head to the uncinate process. You very nicely see the extreme vascularity of that lesion. Here's the, here's the same patient within 3D. Just a beautiful example. Now, when you speak about these pancreatic islet cell tumors, we talk about functioning or non-functioning. The non-functioning lesions tend to be larger, 5 to 10 centimeters or greater. The functioning ones tend to be smaller. And as I mentioned, the smallest ones are insulinomas. I show you this example to make the point how easy it is to miss an insulinoma. In this case, you can see a vascular lesion in the pancreatic head. Now, be careful you don't think that this is the SMV. Of course, it's not. The SMV is to the left. And when you look at a coronal view, it's really nicely seen. Okay, Coronal views at times can be very helpful if you're uncertain if something is in the pancreas or near the pancreas. If you're uncertain if something is a vessel or is not a vessel, it indeed can be very, very useful. Here's a few more images of that and a very nice example of that patient's tumor. Now, I'll show you the same patient 30 seconds later. Here's the axial images. Look how easy it would be to miss that lesion in the pancreatic head. The lesion on a very nice venous phase image has washed out, and that's the axial views. Yes, you can see it, but I think you know it's there. And here it is, again, going from the early phase to the later phase in a coronal display. And when you look at it there, boy, look how hard, if not impossible, it is to see that lesion. So again, you want to be very, very careful. These lesions are very, very easy to miss. So again, issues, you need to be early. That's the reason I say arterial phase imaging for maximum lesion detection. Another example, I showed you this similar case before. Venous phase looks beautiful, but look at the tail of the pancreas. I guess you should see something because there is a bulge there. But of course, it's far more obvious when you would be in the early phase acquisition. And so again, tail of pancreas is a particularly difficult area. Now, I mentioned to you about vascular tumors being islet cells. Now, what other pancreatic lesion that's vascular is in the differential? Well, if you look at this case, the first thing you say is an islet cell tumor head of pancreas. But then you realize this patient has an absent right kidney. The patient had a nephrectomy a dozen years ago. This is metastatic renal cell carcinoma to the pancreas. The typical history is a dozen years ago the patient had a nephrectomy for renal cell. They've done fine ever since. Now they pop up with this vascular lesion. So metastasis from the kidneys 
to the pancreas can be very vascular, and same patient is even a vascular liver metastasis. Metastasis to the pancreas are pretty uncommon. Here are some of the more common causes, and renal cell is right up there. And just some numbers, renal cell, 1 to 3% of cases will get METs to the pancreas. Reality is it's far less common than that can occur even 20 plus years after initial tumor was resected and the patient has been disease free to date. And again, it's usually hypervascular and may only be seen on arterial phase imaging. If you look at this example as another case, patient with a prior left nephrectomy, look at the patient's head of the pancreas. There's a vascular lesion seen, it's subtle, but it's there. Here's another axial view just beneath the lesion. But look what happens if I take that thing from the axial into the coronal plane. Look at the coronal plane in the head of the pancreas. Look how obvious that vascular lesion is. It's a wonderful example. You also, if you look carefully in this case, talk about multiple lesions. There's a one centimeter hypervascular lesion in the patient's right kidney. So the patient has a new renal cell carcinoma and metastasis of the pancreas. Very nicely shown in that image. Uh, or in this patient, we also found a second lesion in the tail of the pancreas. So METs to the pancreas can be multiple, classically hypervascular, just an uh, incredible case, and now has a second renal cell carcinoma. Here's a 3D map of that case showing you very nicely the patient's lesions. In this example, nicely shown in the patient's pancreatic tail using volume rendering and MIP. Now sometimes, interestingly, with the 3D mapping, we can really make a better diagnosis in the sense that this diagnosis seems obvious to be a uh, insulinoma, vascular lesion seen early, washes out late. But when you do the 3D, it becomes very clear what you're dealing with. And what you were dealing with in this patient was not this islet cell tumor or insulinoma, but an ectatic splenic artery. Look at it in the coronal display. Look at it in the 3D display where very nicely you can see this ectatic vessel with a rim calcification that's pushing down into the pancreas. And so when we scan axially through the pancreas, it simulates an intrapancreatic tumor. That would be obviously a nightmare if you resected it or, God forbid, tried to biopsy it. So again, 3D in this case changed our diagnosis entirely. With CT angiography, large, non-functioning islet cell tumors nicely shown here, and you can show through a combination of volume rendering and MIP, you can show the encasement of the patient's celiac, and in this case, celiac and SMA. We can show the vessels are patent, but they're both encased by tumor very nicely, as in this image. We also can then go to the venous phase, where we could show that the patient's tumor uh, is encased uh, encasing the portal vein and SMV, and the patient has very extensive collaterals uh, in this example. So very nice collaterals, gastroproploic vessels, very, very nicely seen. And here's just a set of images where I'm showing you the arterial phase, and then I'm showing you the uh, patient's venous phase next to it. So again, nicely showing you arterial invasion, nicely showing you the venous invasion. So that's a very, very nice example. Um, here's a patient developing GI bleeding. You can see the large collaterals around the stomach, varices in the gastric fundus. You can see a tail of the pancreas tumor. And what's happening in this patient is shown best beyond the axial imaging. Coronal, there's a mass, vascular tail of pancreas, islet cell tumor. 
Now you look carefully at this mass, you begin to see collaterals, but in 3D, done with volume rendering and MIP, you really see the collaterals very nicely. It can explain why the patient is having GI bleeding, the patient's splenic vein is occluded, collaterals through the gastric fundus, very, very nice example. I'll also comment that uh, islet cell tumors can easily be missed. Here was an example of a small tumor hanging off the patient's pancreatic tail. Very, very easy to miss. And of course, the larger tumors, as you can see in this example, uh, are much easier to see. Very easy on this slide to look at the large mass tail of pancreas. Look at that same mass in a coronal display. Look at that same mass with 3D imaging showing you the encasement of the venous structures, the extensive collaterals around the tumor, in the tumor, and involving the stomach as well. And you can look at that with volume rendering and MIP. Again, volume rendering better shows you the mass. MIP in this case better shows you the collaterals. But you put both of them together into a very, very strong imaging package. And that's what we routinely will do in terms of practice. And here's comparing volume rendering and MIP. Now I showed you a number of vascular islet cell tumors. It's important to recognize that neuroendocrine tumors are not always solid. They can be cystic. So for example, in this patient, we have a large cystic necrotic tumor. You can think of a pseudocyst, but look at the nodularity. You can think of adenocarcinoma, but there's no duct obstruction. Remember I told you that? You can also think about maybe this is a gist tumor. Maybe it's duodenal in origin. But when you look carefully at the vascular mapping, you recognize the tumor has evidence of neovascularity on the arterial phase, classic vascular pattern. You recognize that tumors have this compression of the portal vein and SMV, which are patent. Or you recognize that when you look at another patient very carefully, you can see early involvement of the venous structures. Now, I will say with cystic pancreatic neoplasms, if you see vascular invasion, it's probably a malignant cystic neoplasm. It's not going to be a simple cystadenoma or an IPMN. That's a very important strategic point to think about. And here's just more images in that patient. There are many things in the differential diagnosis for cystic pancreatic lesions. And why don't we stop here and next time, that's what we'll start off with. With that, I wish you a happy day. Take care. See you next time.